for just the time that we're, we've been able to share. I pray blessing over everyone, Lord. I, I don't know everything that's going on, um, Lord. Just like there's a lot of life that we don't know what's around the bend. Just like, you know, we're on a journey. We can't see around the bend, Lord. We don't know. We don't know things that awaits us. But we do know this, that you call us to a place of growth. You call every one of us. If you have your way, we are moving increasingly towards wholeness to where we can be blessers, that, that we are not wounders, but blessers in your name. And I ask you, and I know this, Lord, it's hard to love when we ourselves are all broken up on the inside. And so you call us to get better. But even in, Lord, this life of ours, we really have a lot of choices, and we get to choose how we get to live. And I just want to ask that you would help all of us to listen for your voice here, because whether it applies directly to our life right now, it's going to inevitably hit home. And so I just pray that you would speak to us. You know what we need. You know where we're at. You know the things we're thinking about no one else knows about, but you know. So just ask for your blessing. Be over this time, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen, Lord. Let it be. Matthew 18. Um, we're going to just jump right in here. We spent some time in the first part. This is just a two-piece little message here on the unfor parable of the unforgiving servant. Then Peter came to him, that is, he came to Jesus, verse 21, and he said, Lord, and he had a question to ask. And we talked about how Peter, in light of the, the you know, uh, rule of the day, which was that you were, you were sort of obligated to, to forgive someone three times. Once was good, two better. Third time, though, you were released after that. And that was sort of the understanding of the day. And Peter was thinking about this issue of, of forgiving people who hurt us. And who sin against us is the phrase he uses. And he was working and wrestling with how much of an obligation he had relationally. And it's a good, it's very real. And he asked Jesus a question. He, I think when he asked the question, he thought that he was really um, being extraordinarily gracious. I mean, really climbing into the highest places because he knew the, the kind of the, the, the idea was three times was a big deal, but to offer up seven times, wow, I mean, that was, that was quite something. And, the, and he said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me or hurt me, and I, am I obligated to forgive them? What, what do you think? Seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And they didn't stop and just go, oh, you mean 490 times? No, they understood that Jesus, because that was a common phrase. It was kind of a phrase that represented without limit. Seven times 70. Forget seven. You think you're being big-hearted at seven. I say to you, seven times 70. This is, this is something that you never can put into a number. And so this is, and he says, let me, let me try to explain. And he could see in their faces some type of a reaction. He says, let me explain to you how I see this. 
Let me explain to you how my Father's kingdom works. Let me, let me explain to you how it is from God's perspective. Let me give you a story. And the story that he gives is the story, the parable of the unforgiving servant. And the parable of the, of the unforgiving servant, like many parables, was basically designed not for us to figure out who each person in the story was and say, oh, that's God and that's this person and that's the... No, par parables were given really, unless Jesus says specifically this is what this represents, parables actually represented a, a larger truth that the Lord was trying to present. So it had to do with the principle that he was using to illuminate it and make it come to life. And he would use a story because human beings were, are created, we all are, with an inclination towards story. There's something about it that pulls us in, that opens up avenues of learning that we would not otherwise have. That's why we get, we get involved in something. We suspend our disbelief and we engage a moment because the story compels us. There's something about the way God wired us that we work that way. And in reality, we are part of heaven's story. He is the master storyteller, as it were. Jesus on earth used story a lot of times, narrative, to open people up to truth that would otherwise be missed if he was just giving out maxims and, and just sort of statements. And so he says, let me tell you a story to kind of give you an idea of what I'm talking about. And he says, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to, a, think of it this way, like a king. Follow with me, verse 23. A king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. And in the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him a million dollars. In the older version, it says 10,000 talents which is about $20 million. This guy lost $20 million. He was, he, he was in big trouble. And it wasn't just like in our day, you get fired and, and, and there's a certain stigma attached. To, this was a, a very serious matter of repayment that was going to have extraordinary consequences. And it wasn't just going to be imprisonment for him. It was going to be a potential complete loss of his entire family as they would all potentially be sold off, liquidated, every asset liquidated, and his family sold off into servitude, as well as he himself. It, it, it was a huge blunder. It was a devastating blow. Notice what it says here, that in the process, one of the debtors was brought in and owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay it. There's no way. So it was, because it, would, it was such an extravagant amount of money. And so his master ordered that he be sold again. Here it is, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned, to pay the debt. But notice what happens in verse 26. I mean, with this unimaginable amount of money that a person with this, in this level would have never been able to pay back in more than a few lifetimes. <laughs> he, says, he says, but the man in absolute desperation, which you and I would relate to if everything we loved was on the line and about to be lost. In absolute desperation, it says the man falls. Jesus says he fell down before his master and he begged him. He pleaded with him. He said, please be patient with me. If, just give me some time. I'll pay it all, I'll pay it all back to you. And, and, and of course, at that point, that was a laughable statement. There was no way. In fact, they may, the disciples quite possibly could have started to kind of lightheartedly laugh with Jesus when he said, can you imagine that? He said he could actually pay it back. There's no way he could pay back such a sum. And in that moment, as he's pleading with him, and it, it, it was such an unrealistic statement, let me pay you back, that um, the king has a choice. And he can either let this, you know, he can let this sort of pass by. I mean, he doesn't even bother to say, okay, I'll put you on a payment plan. Yeah, put you on a payment plan, and then we'll work this out. And um, no, because it was such a big amount of money that it, 
for him, the pain, it was irrelevant. It was like, I mean, he was, it says he was touched. His heart was touched. There was, the word there is pity, compassion. He was moved. He watched this man begging for his life, for his family, and he couldn't resist it. He said, on a, on a whim, forget about the money. Forget it. I don't forget it. You're free of the debt. You're forgiven. Well, thank you. How can I thank you? You're forgiven. And now at that point, everybody could have stopped and said, wow, that's how God forgives us. Just like that. Remember the question was what from Peter? What did Peter say? Lord, how many, what's my responsibility to forgive? Seven, seven times? Jesus says, no, 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 you can't put a, it's, oh, that's a great illustration, Lord. That makes total sense. We're, we're, we're to, if we are to forgive like that, Jesus says, but, but hold on. Something else I need to say. You know that man who was forgiven that amount, who was begging for his life and was let off the hook for, for the 20 million? Guess what he did? What? He went down and found a guy who owed him. He happened to run. He found a guy who owed him. Notice what it says here. The man left the king, verse 28. He goes to a fellow servant, one of his co-workers, who owes him a few thousand dollars. And maybe collecting money is on his mind. But notice what he says here. It says that Jesus says, you know what this guy did? He goes down and he finds the guy who owes him a few thousand dollars and he takes him and maybe he says, you know, you are part of the reason why I'm in this place. He grabs him, it says, by the neck, by the throat. It's like, you know, grabs him good. Right there. I want my money. You owe me, man. I've been, I've been coming after you for a while now. Pay up. And, and what does he say? It says he grabbed him at the throat and he demanded, not, and I don't want it tomorrow, I don't want it in a week from now, I want it now. Instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and he begged for, for a little more time. Be patient with me, please, be patient with me. I'll pay you, I'll pay it, I'll pay it, I'll pay it, he pleaded. But see, it's this idea, but his creditor couldn't wait. No, he, put the, he had the man arrested, put into prison until the, you get the money and you'll get out of here. I'm, uh, and you know what? Jesus is talking about the picture there. It's like when the guy comes up to him, I, I just that image of somebody grabbing him by the throat. You know, here he is. He's just been let off the hook for $20 million, pleading for his life, and he's forgiven of it all. And he goes and finds another guy who owes him a few thousand, and he grabs him by the neck. Give me my money. Give me my money. I'll give it back to you. Just give me some time. <laughs> Help me, please. Let me go. This idea, you see the Jesus painting the picture. And it's like, wow, what kind of person would do and you're just, If you're the disciple, you're going, what kind of person would do that? How could somebody be let off that amount of money, that big forgiveness, and then turn around and to a relatively comparable thing be so petty and insistent? on extracting justice. That's the picture. What, what do you have to do to do that? At some level, there has to be a huge disconnect. There has to be a disconnect between what we experience in a big forgiveness and what is experienced at a very small forgiveness. I think the disparity is what produced the disconnect. Because it was such a big forgiveness that it really seems so in its own category, 
disconnected from the everyday little forgiveness. And do you see what Jesus is really getting at here? It really does hit home for us. Because we can sing about the forgiveness of God and how grateful we are for the love that would not relent and gave everything for us. The love of God. Because really, Jesus' death is a testimony to any lie that would ever suggest that forgiveness is an easy thing. It costs God everything, his own son. For he loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. Forgiveness was very expensive. It was a debt we could not pay on our own. God had to choose to pay it on our behalf. He himself becomes the penalty payer. On him was placed the penalty for us all. I mean, that's, that's the picture we're given. And you know what? You think about it, you go, wow, I, I acknowledge the big forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for giving yourself for me. And then Jesus said, that's great. But then if we turn around, and that is totally disconnected from how we work with people when they offend us or owe us, he's saying, do you see it? It's, it's almost incomprehensible how someone who was walking on the plank and has pardoned on the plank can turn around and so callously push someone off. And Jesus said, in the same way, in every day of our life, he's talking about how we can disconnect from the reality of the big forgiveness and how it's, it's really, if it's, gonna, if it's real, listen, it's got to affect the everyday life and the wounds that we get, the small wounds that we get, and the things that would cause resentment in us to grow. We've got to get past things. If we, it, it really does make sense. Peter, you asked me about forgiveness. Let me tell you how much you've been forgiven. Now you go work that out. It's pretty powerful stuff. It says that when the, some of the servants saw this, verse 31, it says they were very upset, and then they went to the king, and they told him everything that had happened. And the king called in the man, the man that he had forgiven, and he said, you evil servant, I can't believe you. I can't believe that you could be so callous, unmerciful. I showed you so much mercy. I'll let you off the hook. And now what they're telling me? They're telling me that you, you are nitpicking. You are going, you threw that guy into prison for a few thousand dollars when I let you off the hook for millions? What kind of man are you? Get him out of my sight. That's the picture Jesus gives. Put him in. Get, find out how much money he owes, where he's hiding it. Put, give him the torturers. That was, that was, he said that's what the king said. And Jesus said in a similar way, God will deal harshly with us. He's using an illustration, again, not an exact. Same way, God will hold us accountable for our unwillingness to forgive people in our lives. So what are we to glean here? Consider this, firstly. That we have to guard against this tendency to reduce the Christian life to only rules. And just think about what I'm saying for a moment. It doesn't mean that there isn't right or wrong, black and white in the Bible and the scriptures. There is. Thankfully, uh, the Bible does not cast us adrift on a sea of moral ambiguity. It gives us clear understanding of, of how God thinks. But that, listen, that doesn't mean that everything is always going to be clear-cut, a one-size-fits-all answer, Black and white, there are going to be gray areas, there are going to be situations in life where we are confronted relationally with great questions, where we are going to have to engage in thoughtfulness, reflection, prayer, 
We're going to have to bring in other people. We're going to have to listen in what the Bible, what we call counsel, get some input. We're, we're going to need to be able to search our own conscience, hear what God is saying. There are going to be things that we're going to have to wrestle with. What is the right thing to do now? See, Peter was wrestling. He really was. He was trying to figure out, when, when does my obligation end? He's grappling with it. At what point do I need to call somebody into accountability? It's a very real issue. At what point do I say, that's enough? My freak, and, and, and he's sitting with that. And you know what? There are things that, and, and he says, give me a number, Lord. I want to, seven. Jesus, you won't get a number. He gives him a principle. He, Peter, Peter wants to know when the obligation ends for me. Jesus says, well, it never ends. Well, actually, it does end. It ends um, when we stop needing to be forgiven by God. That's when it ends. Well, Lord, that, that, that's, we, we always need to be forgiven by God. That's true. And you need to learn to live in forgiveness. But I want a number. I just want a number because, see, I have people, I have, listen, there's a lot of things that come up in life. I'll have people come, just because of the rule that I have here, they'll come up and say, I just need you to tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And I say, I can't tell you what to do. I can tell you what I think. I can tell you what the Bible might be saying in this situation. But my friend, you want a number. And it's not that simple. Yeah, but, but, but you want to know, it's not that simple. Listen, it's not that simple. The Christian life is not just throw out a rule and, and it applies this way every, across. No, 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 no. It's nuanced. You're going to have to grapple. You know, another word for wrestling is grappling. We grapple with things. But you know when you grapple, you know what I noticed? When I was in high school, I look at the wrestlers. Those guys were small guys. But they had a lot of muscles on them. And you know why they had it? Because they were grappling all the time, wrestling. They were wrestling. In things, you grow strong when you have to work through things. You grow strong. And the Lord, you say, well, we're saying, God, show me what to do. And the Lord's saying, seek me. Listen. Learn to listen. Let's work through this. When do I, when do I confront them, Lord? When do I say enough? What is my obligation to forgive? I want the rule. I want the number. I want the exact number. Mm. Mm. No. No number. You're going to have to listen. There's a time. Okay, and that leads right into this next idea. And that is this. There are going to be times in, when we are really going to have to understand that if we desire God's forgiveness to work in our lives, then we must in turn be a forgiving people. You think about this for a moment. It, what, okay. Um, they were watching Jesus, and they looked at, they watched how he did things, the disciples. And then one occasion, they were watching how he was praying. Because Jesus prayed a lot. In fact, it says he, interestingly enough, it says he went to the wilderness to pray. A lot of, he would get away and get alone with the Father. And they would watch him praying. And at one time, they were, they were considering how he was praying, and they said to him, Lord, would you, would you teach us how to pray? And that's, what, that's how we get what we know as the Lord's Prayer, which is really the disciples' prayer, because he's saying, well, listen, when you pray, pray like this. And that's when he says to them, pray in this way. 
not, you know, it's okay to pray the exact prayer. It's a great prayer. It's a model prayer because it has so many beautiful layers to it. But what he says is probably this, our Father who is in heaven, holy, hallowed is your name, set apart, unlike any other. Your kingdom come, your will be done, not just in heaven, but on earth, on earth as it is in heaven, in my life, in my relationships, in the places here, right now, on this earth, where I'm living and breathing and interacting with people. Let your will be done here, on earth, as it is in heaven. Pray that. Pray also that, that God would give us this day our daily bread. Lord, you know what I need. Fill me up. Nourish me at a deep level. What's more than that, Lord? And then he says this key phrase, right? Many of us know it. And forgive us our what? Our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us, Lord, of our transgressions, which are ever before you, as we would forgive those who transgress against us. As we would be forgiven, let us forgive. This is something he got at. And if you think about it, so I heard, so was it in Wesley, I was listening to something that Wesley said. He said, um, he was talking to John Wesley, a Christian, a Christian leader of, of centuries, gone by, he was talking about a general who was very indignant and very proud, and Oglethorpe said to him, he said, I will never, he goes, this is what he said, I never forgive. And Wesley said, well then my friend, I hope that you never sin. If we cannot forgive, how can we be forgiven? There is, a there is a responsibility for us. Last thing I'll say about this, this is our concluding idea, is that the more we are aware of our own need forgiveness, for forgiveness, for forgiveness, the more easy it will be for us to, to be a forgiving person. And what I mean by that, as, uh, I'm, what I'm saying is that when we really understand, see this is the deal, the more we understand the closer you get to the Lord, the more you realize how much God has been good to us and how we fall short of what he would ask of us in a number of ways. I'm not saying that to just produce guilt. I'm being honest. I think in my own life, the, the more I've grown to, to know the Lord, the more I've realized how short I fall away from what he would have me to be and become. And we all can fail God in different ways. I've broken his heart a number of times. And yet, that love has never abandoned me. It's, it, it, it's a love that pursues us when we least deserve it. And how, if you want to think of it, we have been forgiven not just of millions of dollars in, on the cross, but we are forgiven every day of so much in the little and in the big. And, and to know that, and in those times where I've really felt the love of God, honestly, for me personally, some of my most deepest moments of feeling the presence of God have come on the backside of a disappointment with my own self. And in that place of brokenness, I feel the love of the Lord and his grace. And I know at the end of the day, when all is said and done, it's not about me ever being good enough for God. It's about a good God who came down and loved me like nobody else could and still does. And you know what Jesus says? If we can be loved like that, then how is that supposed to affect how we treat people in our lives? Never let us be like the guy 
who's been forgiven 20 million and then turns around and over a relatively small thing says, I'll never let you off the hook. You owe me. Give me what I deserve. You owe me. That is not the way of the Lord. That is not his way for us. Listen, blessed are the merciful. Because they're going to, okay, they're going to obtain mercy. Guess who, who asked the question? Who asked this question that got the story going? It was Peter. Peter had no idea when he asked the question about how many times should I forgive people. He had no idea what, the, what was down the road for him. He had no idea what was around the corner. No idea. He had no idea about not just the little failure, but the huge failure that was coming his way and what a need he was going to have for the Lord to come back around and tenderly say, I believe in you. I love you. And the gentleness of the Lord, on the backside of his, he says, Lord, how many times should I forget? He has no idea that he is going to be in such need of forgiveness. His self. You and I will always, we don't know what's coming. Let's not be, let's, life, life's too short. Listen, we'll close with this for final passage. Ephesians 4, 31. Get rid of, look what it says. Get rid of all bitterness. The scriptures tell us if we're serious about following the Lord. Get rid, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words. Don't let those words come out. No. Harsh words and it's slander. Don't undermine. No, oh, Lord, get us and, and well as all types of evil behavior. Now put the instead, no, what be kind. Be kind to each other. Cultivate a tender heart to one another. Learn and practice forgiving one another. Get over things quickly. Move on. Let others off the hook, even as we would want. And I say, well, what am I going to hold account? I'm not saying there aren't times for boundaries, accountability, but as a whole, as a whole, this is the way God wants us to live, forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave us. To live that way. Lord, as we, as we ponder this truth, as we sit with the truth of your word, as we consider the implications of what it means to really seek to live in a way that will produce life and not death, Lord, I, we want to be open to what it is you're trying to do and say in us. And there are times, God, where it's really hard for us to get past stuff. And I, I know there are times we've got to address things, and there's times we've got to take stands. And again, there's no number. There's no clear-cut rule. It's a little more complex than that. But as a whole, you call us, Lord, to be far more gracious and forgiving and to give others the benefit of the doubt and to show mercy maybe when it wasn't deserved. It was okay. And to forgive even as we have been forgiven. What a beautiful thing it is when a house is filled with mercy and forgiveness. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.